0: Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, man.
1: How you
2: feeling, Billy?
0: I'm doing all right, man. Just, uh, I I rigged Thursdays to be a complete day off, so... Um, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. I'm just trying to find a pen right now. No worries, man. Yeah, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, life is good. That's not a bad day off at all, though, on Thursday.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then tomorrow's super chill. Um, so it's almost like the weekend. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for making time. No problem. Here we go. Thanks, thanks
2: for right. having me. I'm trying to figure out this camera...
0: Thing. ah there we go oh there we go all right cool cool how are you i'm all right man just cool i'm i'm slowly getting better at interviews like this is my huh. third i've done now okay so i'm like <laughs> it's hard <laughs> or it's easy it's a- just to, like talk but it's hard to like i mean like come up with questions and stuff
2: yeah it can be i uh hold on one second drive something um, I actually interviewed a lot of uh, Cleveland rappers uh, Hey, hey, there it is yeah. <laughs> Indeed I, I interviewed a lot of Cleveland rappers For uh, a project Not that I'll still do something with one day But like, Cleveland's like a big hip-hop city So like, and we have been since like really like since 1980 mm-hmm. maybe a little before that so i just i just was interviewing a bunch of rappers who were rappers are interesting people to interview because they're uh i don't know man they're real they're real informal but they all have an interesting story
1: mm-hmm.
2: they just you got to pull it out of them because at first they don't trust you yeah because they're rappers
1: mm-hmm.
2: so they don't trust you at first and then after a while they're cool, and it, it comes out cool.
0: Yeah, especially because like, I mean, I guess, rap and a lot of rap in general is just about like projecting confidence. I guess that there's like <coughs> more sad rappers now, like Lil Uzi Vert or like um, I don't know, like uh, like yeah, Drake will talk about like being sad, but
2: yeah, all these emo motherfuckers. But like, Atmosphere was the first emo dude, really. Slug from Atmosphere, he was the first emo guy, I think. One of the first uh, ego-free rappers, or you know, less ego at least.
1: Yeah.
2: Rappers, they're all right. Just sometimes, you know, all that ego shit is bullshit. You Mm.
0: know. Yeah. So I don't want to like, like I was immediately going to be like, oh, I want to ask, just like some biographical stuff. I mean, I think that, and about like the work that you've done over time, but also you you say a lot of that in your bio and the two uh, the two issues. You know, I mean, I was, just, I was just going through like the second issue and like looking at your history, like Cleveland Heights and then Georgetown right. of all places. Like, I don't know how that's crazy that you go from like getting kicked out of Cleveland Heights to like Georgetown. That's that's crazy to me. You know. <laughs>
2: I never even really thought of it like that. It just—I just keep riding this
0: train, you know, calling my life. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I guess so. That's
2: how it happened. And I really, with Georgetown, I got a job there. So
1: yeah,
2: it's not like I went through the normal. I
1: never go through the normal channels usually, but yeah. uh, yeah, I just ended up like
2: I got a job there. You get a job, you got you got free tuition. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were pissed at
0: me. At because, the school,
2: well, a lot of people who I knew, yeah, once found out, like Georgetown only paid me. Mm-hmm. They paid me for my full time gig, and then they paid tuition. So some people took that. You we know, just you know, I, I guess they couldn't accuse me of affirmative action, but whatever. I got in through the back door, and I could do the work, so I was fine with it. It's mm-hmm.
0: cool. And then initially you were making, you were like making music and things like that, and then the comic stuff was kind of later on.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, if I had to, at first I was probably I thought when in, in high school, um, I didn't have a lot of aspirations, but I always wanted to be involved in comic books in some capacity i didn't know how to do that or how, how, how that was going to happen so when i first went to cleveland state my major was illustration but oh my god like it was terrible <laughs> like just having to draw and you're drawing the same still life and i'm like we already did this stuff in high school yeah you have to do it again I'm like, eh. so i i went on to study something i thought would be more tangible which was uh basically i don't know i've studied i was in undergrad so long so like i did english for a while I, and then i kind of moved on to english literature and then i moved on to politics political science and history a lot of american history i did black american history mm-hmm. uh shit, i actually got like pretty much a minor in woman's studies no one knows that yeah I uh, that that was uh, <laughs> yeah from Cleveland State. I really didn't mean to do that either. I, just, I won't lie to you. I thought there was going to be some hot women in the class. So I took <laughs> <laughs> so I took a class, and it wasn't any hot women. <laughs> yeah, but I just I just kept taking it just because I was hearing so much stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll study it. Why not? Why not? You know, I'm glad I did. Yes. I'm not a fifth wave feminist, but. <laughs> you know whatever
0: Yeah so yay <laughs> what was like would you say that like going to because obviously Cleveland Heights and you've mentioned this like Harvey Bikar's shadow looms over the Cleveland creative scene. there isn't as much of like uh, a, a genuine li- like l- literary scene like I don't mean that in a bad way like there are a lot of really cool poets and there are like various people writing cool stuff, but they're not necessarily getting noticed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, so, like, what, what, what was it in like the Cleveland, like, com- was there something in the Cleveland comic book scene that inspired you, like creatively? Um, was there like a, I don't know, like Harvey Car Park in Coventry? I mean, he was obviously alive though, when you were growing up, but. It was
2: alive. Definitely was alive. I had a run in with him when I was younger, but I wouldn't say he was really, he wasn't really my inspiration then. Mm -hmm. We knew him, everyone knew he made these comics, but he wrote about his life. And quite honestly, for, I mean, at the time, I'm like, you know, 13 to 15 or so, or a little younger even. It just, what Harvey was writing about was of no interest to us as teenagers. Yeah. You know, we didn't know what it was like to pay bills and have wives, Mm -hmm. these sort of things that he would often write about. And even like, you know, musically, Harvey was more of a blues and a jazz guy, and I was more of a funk soul and hip-hop reggae guy. Mm -hmm. So we really, he, I, I missed, I don't know, I mean, he definitely respected him, but he wasn't the impetus. I guess for me, Cleveland-wise, I don't—I really don't know who would be. I mean, there were, there's guys. I just went to the that exhibit at the. Uh, I get—I—I I forgot the, the the name of this place. It was like the Artist Archive, I believe. Mm-hmm. They had a comic book uh, exhibit, and there's you know there were folks like Val Meyerick I didn't know they were from Cleveland you know so definitely I guess what was cool about Harvey was that he there were a lot of Clevelanders in the book and you're like oh so there are artists here that we don't really know of maybe it's more of a underground thing but I was at that time I was really really impressed by um I would have to say I was really into Image Comics. They Mm -hmm. were really big then. And uh, I guess Starman as well. Mm -hmm. You still there?
0: Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, yeah.
2: The uh, the picture disappeared, but no worries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, So it was like, Cleveland-wise, I don't know. Like, I was more inspired by Cleveland hip-hop at the time, you know? Yeah. And then, in a literary sense not so much to be honest which is that's kind of weird but that's just how it went down you know there weren't a lot of comics coming out of Cleveland other than other than than PCAR of course Mm -hmm. that I knew of but I I suppose also just the scene just being able to go to North Coast nostalgia you know right across the street from uh, Cleveland Heights they were on Lee Road back in the day I mean that was fantastic for me you know Yeah. so sorry. Cleveland being such a comic book city I guess it, it made it you know that there were stores and plenty of nerds to compare opinions with and I guess maybe that helped facilitate it and then my parents because they never had a problem with giving me money for stuff like uh, for reading. So that was always a good thing as well.
0: Yeah. So you'd say, like, the main thing is that, like, through, you know, just fucking around and, like, those classes eventually, you just soaked in a lot, right? Yeah, I guess
2: so. I mean, I didn't, I, I would say that I didn't have this, like, I'm definitely an autodidact. I always was. Just because I was always studying something that they weren't telling you in, in school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you, you know. I learned how to lose, use the library really adeptly at a young age. Mm-hmm. I'm from the I'm from the age when we still had a card catalog and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've worked at libraries, so I know how to find what I what I what I'm looking for.
0: Um, yeah, I, if that makes sense. For sure. And did you were you making many comics before you started the Chad in Amsterdam series?
2: When I was in high school, I used to draw a little short thing, sometimes with my friends in it,
1: and I would always,
2: I, like I said, I was an illustrator, so I always was drawing a bunch of things. I had a bunch of characters. I remember a good friend of mine, Luke O'Brien, we actually made this like universe of, of heroes. I think I still have this, too. Mm. And some were ridiculous some were pretty cool so we were always these comic minded kids so Mm -hmm. i wasn't really into doing it before i did chad in amsterdam it was just something that i eventually thought you know what uh let me go for this i think i i think i can do it yeah and mainly because i had such a uh i i had a lot of uh I don't know, the acumen was high just because I had this huge breadth of comic knowledge, uh, be it Marvel DC or image stuff, and then later going into more underground things, going back and researching certain underground stuff, Cerebus or Zap Comics. I've read a lot of comic books. so mm-hmm. And I did study uh, film as well at a point in my Long undergrad career,
0: yeah. so
2: in, in studying film, you realize that uh, comics are very close to storyboards.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and I think that's also why so many films are made from comics because it's like you know, if you got the comic, that's almost like half the work.
0: Yeah, because you don't have to like go through the text and like figure out the no. relevant scenes and yeah, exactly. So.
2: It was just kind of just this this uh, yeah just this culmination of doing so much stuff and then returning back to <clears throat> what was my uh, initial love in life uh, and it really was comic books, which is kind of strange. Like I said, it really wasn't planned. It just everything just it just ended up. Yeah, I guess I uh, regressed to. Going back to three, four years years old and whatnot, when I did the same stuff and read these comics, and, so yeah, that's that's how that came about, I guess.
0: And I'm just gonna go off on a limb and say, there isn't is there a, like a big comic scene in Amsterdam, or are there just like a lot of graphic design people and, and like illustrators. Um, <clears throat> like, is there much of a scene there? Like, how would you compare it to? like America or Cleveland?
2: Well, <clears throat> I would say that Amsterdam is a weird city because it's very trendy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't say that there is a huge scene, but there is a scene. And there mm-hmm. are a good amount of, of uh, comic creators, writers, illustrators from Amsterdam and from and from the Netherlands as a whole, now the Netherlands is is a little smaller than Maine,
1: yeah. so
2: it's easier to be abreast of who's who who all is in the scene. Uh, they do have a scene; it's just not huge. Like right now, I'm in Brussels for a couple of days, and you know the Belgians, the French, they really, really like comics are looked at as a very you know, intense art form. They they have a lot of respect for it. The Dutch, I don't think they have the same level of of respect for for comic books. Uh, so they're a little behind in that area. But there is a scene, and I'm doing my best, and a couple other people I know maybe to you know get that get that happening a little more. I wonder because there's really some great artists in the Netherlands. There's one I, I really like. His name's Eric Creek. Is the guy's name K R I E K, and gorgeous artists. It's just I guess a lot of what the Netherlands does, it's done in Dutch. So yeah. if it's if it's not translated, it 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 doesn't really go across. And then sometimes I I feel there's a some of the stories they choose to tell often are very, uh, cliche. Uh, like there's, there's a lady who did a, 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 uh, a graphic novel on Vincent van Gogh. Mm. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, can we, can we do something other than van Gogh again? You
0: yeah, know? Yeah, yeah.
2: They, they really like to recycle their tropes. So I'm not, I'm not really fluent in Dutch but I, I often I wonder if these if these stories are there I don't know. I mean life is good in the Netherlands you know and I, I tend to think that great art comes out of great pain. Mm. so if you live in a country where the quality of life is so high and everybody's doing really well, you can make some beautiful illustrations but do you have that story that, that goes with that? Do you have this ability to reflect upon yourself, reflect upon your environment, you know? And and with me being there, I just I'm in a very unique, unique state, a uh, place where I have I'm not from there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm reminded of that quite 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 frequently. So I don't know. I think there's a certain level of self-reflection pain that goes into art, into writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if that's there, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but no, I, I don't know if they've got that, but they've got great artists for sure.
0: Yeah, um, so. and I want to come back at some point to the, when you're talking about in France and Belgium and stuff, how they treat mm-hmm. comics as like a more serious art form, or as you were saying, mm-hmm. but just in terms of the Chad and Amsterdam stuff itself. I mean, it's, you know, I've read both the comics. The first one more closely than the the second one. Um, Okay. It's it's like a 50-50 between, well, I don't want to, like, half of them are about, like, uh, dealing with, like, prostitutes (laughs) and strippers. But then, like, the ones that are, like, the featured ones that are about you, like, I mean, I'm not trying to be super highbrow or anything. But immediately I'm thinking, like, of Kafka or something when I'm reading it, you know? just like uh, <laughs> you know okay
2: i'll will t- take that yeah
0: <laughs> cuz it's it's easy to identify like with you i mean despite the fact that you are like like that's your home now and you've been there for what like 10 years just, yeah almost
2: and about about 9 i'd about say 9, nine is straight, yeah straight
0: right now. it's just easy to like identify with you and like uh and and to go along on this like mini absurd quest <laughs> like the the um the the bike story was very funny it's just like what the fuck oh. like my car just got towed like a few weeks ago so it's like a similar it's not like a nettle specific thing other than the fact that it's a bike <laughs> like it's like a bike concentration camp
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i you know i mean that's just how i think and that was literally uh one thing i can say is before i did a comic I used to do like a photo blog type of thing, and uh, it was mostly just photography. But I would also, I would write sometimes. And this actually happened, and thankfully, I that day I wrote it down pretty much as it went. And so when I went back to refer to that, it was great for um, for writing the story because I, I just thought, I mean, for one, nobody writes about the Feast Day like it's just not something you would do. Yes. <laughs> so I, I thought, well, I'm going to write about it because I think I think this is hilarious to me. I mean, this is how I go through life. I laugh at a lot of things that you probably shouldn't laugh at. I, for me, it's funny. And uh, yeah, I just the way this guy described it, and where is that story is about the bike. It's also about. How hyper, um, hyper organized, and how many the processes in the Netherlands because they do bureaucracy to a level we don't really know. Yeah, and everything is categorized and it's given its place and it belongs here. That even bleeds into people, which is something that I'll get to. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was just. Uh, just thought I'm gonna write about I'm gonna write about uh, getting my bike towed and I never get the bike back at least in the story you know, you don't know if I got the bike back or whatever
0: yeah so, so if it's yeah. like if if your style of writing and, and, and like your art um, it's so you know maybe like foreign to the, the scene in Amsterdam and the Netherlands in terms of how, how they do stuff there other than the underground I'm curious how you were able to it looked like there were a lot of like grants and stuff from like even the government to help or like arts organizations to help get this off the ground. So, is that true? Like, did I misread that or just
2: no? No, you you're right. Uh, I did receive a grant, a meager allotment from uh, from Amsterdam funds for the Coast, funds for the arts. Mm-hmm. I thank them for that for sure. It was for issue one. Uh, I'm not really one of the ongoing uh, grant recipients. I wouldn't say that. But I just, you know, and, and actually I had to go in there twice because the first time I went and presented the project, they gave me two people who had never read a comic book. So I was like, all right, great. This won't be happening today. So then I basically went in with the same proposal a second time. But I, 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 uh, I called beforehand and told them I'm gonna need you to give me someone who has read comics
1: mm-hmm. because
2: you did me dirty last time.
1: So yeah, yeah. Yeah. When
2: I went in, everything went smoothly. That second time, the lady actually had—I uh, wish I had came up with this idea. To which I said, "Well, it really wasn't even my idea." To be fair, it's totally inspired by Harvey P. But then also, I was like, you know, but I don't know how interesting that would be, a Dutch person talking about their life in Amsterdam. I thought, where's the shtick in there? It's not that, so like, I mean, I guess with Harvey, it worked. He's this Clevelander talking about his life in Cleveland and it kind of worked, but Harvey was such a idiosyncratic, quirky cat that it really worked. I think you really have to be, and I guess this is where the arrogance comes in to play, because I know uh, I know Picard was kind of a megalomaniac in his own right, and I suppose I am too in my own right, because I really have the audacity to think that my life would be interesting in a comic book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Whether that's true
2: or not, we'll see. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. So... You mentioned in an email that Cleveland is not necessarily the place to be if you're a smart black man. Um, ha! Ha! Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, would you want to like, uh, expound upon that a bit? I mean, just from what what I've heard from, it doesn't seem like an isolated <laughs> comment, like. No, it's just,
2: it, it shouldn't be, I'm sure. Other people have. I, I know people who relate to that. Actually, um, the thing with the thing with Cleveland is uh, Cleveland is hyper racist, and it's it's really annoying. You know, I, I got to a point when I was twenty. I guess I guess when I was like twenty or twenty one, I re- that's when I realized, you know, what I'm, I've I've had it with this, and I just felt as if my potential was always stifled here as if I couldn't be one of the intellects in the room, you know, and and not so much growing up in Cleveland Heights, I didn't feel that, but after I left, and then there was just this idea, you know, if, if you're this black guy, it's, you know, that we all we did was rap and
1: yeah. dance,
2: sing and play sports. And I, you know, it, it really, that really ticked me off. Cause I've always been a guy, I've always been interested in, in history. The the people who I know aren't fools. Maybe they don't have the same opportunities as a lot of folks, but they're not fools. So I took a, I went on a vacation with a friend of mine, Chuck. We went to see our buddy, Mike, who was a Clevelander, who had joined the, uh, I believe he was in the Army. He was living in D.C. I suppose I was 21 or so at the time. And, man, we just had a fantastic time. And in, in uh, D.C., they used to call it Chopper City. I'm um, after, post-gentrification, I'm not so sure you can still call it that, mm-hmm. at least certain quadrants of the city. And I mean, it was great, man. I was just seeing, you know, and, and this sounds weird to say, but it, it, it's it's empowering. They were like, you know, we saw this guy get out of a car, black guy with his wife, you know, nice bins, they were looking good, they handed the keys to the valet. I mean, I never saw that in Cleveland. Yeah. Not with not with black people really. You know, maybe there might be a preacher who's pimping the congregation or something yeah. who's driving a Cadillac beyond his means, but I mean there were people there just intelligent people, people who held uh, really powerful jobs in the private or the public sector and we're just speaking with people. And I was like, you know, this is a city where I, I really feel I can blossom and do a lot more. They don't seem to have these same hang-ups that they have in Cleveland. And one thing I noticed in Cleveland, and it, it's still pretty much true, go to restaurants. See who works in the front of the restaurant. See who's the bartender. See who's the, see who's the host or the hostess. See who the waiters are. Very rarely are they black. Black people work in the kitchen, man, in yeah. Cleveland. You know, so I really felt, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I realized that, that on that trip kind of had an idea, but it really came to fruition on that trip to D.C. that there's more out there, and I don't have to wait around here for people to acknowledge my brilliance, or so for me to be able to make it and do what I want to do. So I I, I, uh, I ended up uh yeah, I, I, I got into this National Student Exchange program, and I went to Howard University for a year. You know, most mm-hmm. prestigious black university in the in the in the country. So, for me and I, you know, I'm not a racist guy or nothing, but I mean, it's it, there's something when you see people being doing something like an Obama as president. I mean, coming up in Cleveland Heights, we really thought we could do anything we wanted, but we always thought that this. This position of the president of the United States was an unattainable office for a black person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We've been proven wrong, so I guess I had a a, a, a more a, an earlier taste of that realization when I went to D.C. And yeah, that that I love Cleveland, but I do not. I I stand firm. I don't think it's a place where they're going to give that. Uh, that director position to the black guy who who deserves it it's just not how they do it. they're not even ready to make a black guy a waiter so i i i didn't have time to live in a in anachronism as such so
0: yeah i, I had to go. oh sorry go ahead
2: yeah i was just saying i had to go you
0: know yeah i actually lived in dc for a year um I, and I, uh what one thing that i i kind of noticed between living in dc and living in cleveland is like at like everyone in dc not everyone but a lot of people have like really powerful jobs right but mm-hmm. the fact that they uh, that everyone like lives together it's not as much of a hang up you know like maybe on capitol hill like people will kind of like one up each other while they're on capitol hill like oh yeah like i'm an aide like i'm this is my position but in general um there, there are more people in those positions, so there's not... I mean, it's a cutthroat city, but I'm just saying, like, in comparison to Cleveland, like, it seems like we, like, weirdly care a lot about hierarchies and, like, who's got, like, what... Uh, like, you can only, like, say something if you have so-and-so qualifications or whatever. Like, it's not a very... And, like, there aren't a lot of places where ideas can be heard. There's, like... I don't want to talk shit about the City Club because I'm going to, like, need them, but... Like... <laughs> the, it, it's... We, we weirdly put a lot of emphasis on, like, titles and stuff. You know? Um, yeah,
2: it, I, I think so. I really do think so. And... I mean... It's... Cleveland's so segregated. It's unreal. Like... It... it <laughs> it's really unreal um there is literally like when i go back home now and i see the barrio got the best yeah. taco. yeah so what that tells me is that you have firstly you have a magazine that only certain a certain ilk reads and it's not always necessarily a white black thing but certain people with a certain amount of money read this and however and, and, and in addition to that the readers, it kills me. They won't go to Tapatia, Taqueria, but they will go to the gentrified Mexican spot. And I'm like, how do you even have the audacity to vote for the best taco? And you've, you've never even been to an authentic spot because, I, I mean, I think, are they scared to go there? Do they think it wouldn't be of, of good quality? I really wonder because I was never this sort of guy. I go wherever I want. I do what I want. I always did. And for me, what I find happening in our cities nowadays is that you have a lot of people who don't have personalities, but they have a certain skill set that makes them marketable and, and employable. These people come to a, to a city. I mean, you got folks growing at Seven Hills or whatever. They're, I think a lot of Cleveland's gentrification comes within a, a an hour driving of the city center yeah so you have, you have a lot of people who move in from mentor or whatever and they get these jobs they're gonna get the jobs but they don't come with any culture they don't bring anything to the table so it, what's happening in cities today is your personality is the last restaurant you ate at it's yes. the last cl- the last club you went to the last cool, cool spot that you discovered that you don't think this other person knows. So this is what I see. (laughs) This is (laughs) terrible to say, but this is what I think. This is who is populating Cleveland right now. And Cleveland as we know it, it's it's being decimated. People don't know what Lancers is. They don't know who Brothers from Struggle are. They don't know anything about the city, and they bring nothing. So actually, like, just... A certain level of history in Cleveland is being exonerated by these these groups of people. And, yeah, it's safer. Uh, yeah, West 25th looks a lot better. What they created in town, these sort of things. But the interesting thing with Cleveland is this, you know, five minutes away from any one of these spots, there's depravity, depression, you know, straight poverty. And Cleveland will never be that city it wants to be until it figures out a way to deal with its inequalities. And also how to empower black Cleveland because there's just too many black people in Cleveland for for them to to not really be a part of the city as such. You know, I, I, I just... It's sad to say, but this is what's going on
0: in my eyes. Yeah, that, that reminds me of, like... Three things. Um, so, and, like, not all of this will make it into the inter- the interview, but, like, I worked for a nonprofit called inter- okay. City Tennis Clinics, which, like, we only worked with, like, city black kids, and we, like, you know, we taught, like, and the staff was, like, about 50-50 African American and, and white people who, like, played tennis in high school. And it's weird because, like, it was really fun working those two summers there. I was head of administration, so, you know, you work with kids in, like, the classroom, you work with them on, like, the tennis court, and it's good. Uh, But the board, um, their whole thing was, like, um, or just, it was a bit of, like, a microcosm of a thing that I I see generally, which is that it's, like, a victory for black Clevelanders that they can get, like, one or two of them to, like, join, like, the current system, like, how it's operating but the system mm-hmm. itself never, like, adapts to, like, black... Co- like, there isn't, like, a... It doesn't take on, like, any aspects of black culture and change itself, if that makes sense. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, like, we have, like, a few... Like, it's a success if you can find a way to, like, get a STEM degree and, like, get an upper-middle-class job as, like, an engineer, but it's not... Um, but, but we're not changing for other community, other populations, you know? Does, does that make sense? Like,
2: Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, a lot of that, too, is this, like, W.E.B. Dubois, talented, tenth type of theory, where yeah. <clears throat> you, not everyone's doing good, but there's a few people who are. <clears throat> and I also think that there's certain people in black Cleveland who, who probably abuse that as well because I mean you know it, it's tough talking for a people, but yeah. I do think there is an issue when there are when there's such a disproportionate hiatus between uh, well to- do and poor blacks. I mean, there's way more poor black people in Cleveland that, that, that there's a reason for that, you know, and I mean this goes back to uh, improper funding of schools and so many things. That we we have to work this out, and I don't think the answer is well. Let's just gentrify and get them out of here, you yeah. know. Because I don't. I think there's certain areas where you, you can't gentrify. I think uh, east of 55th is proving itself pretty uh, well superior in Saint Clair. That's pretty ungentrifiable at the moment. Yeah, like, they, yeah. It's, it's literally people don't drive home that way you know like mm-hmm. they go they, they take cedar Car, carnegie you
0: know they no not cedar not even cedar. cedar it's just chester 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 yes yeah. that's
2: that's what they take chester euclid and they literally it's like these streets don't exist to people
0: unless you're going to slimings up until- unless you
2: go to slimings and they they close early so you can get in you can get in and, get the in and out
0: yeah you no, know but it's, it's definitely past Past East 55th and on, like, definitely not. Like, like it's gotten to a point where there are some, like, businesses that have moved in on, like, St. Clair up until East 55th, but... I mean, even even if, like, shootings are happening closer to, like, Euclid and, like, past, like, the 100s on St. Clair, or even more, like, you know what I mean? Like, like people would just see St. Clair and then just never go near there because it was, like, on the news... Even though there's, like, a lot of sync. I don't know. Anyway, they don't touch it. Um, But I guess my point was, like, like their version... Or, I mean, I can say R, too, because, like, I'm part of that. Like, I can't... But just that version of diversity is, like, getting people to do STEM degrees and, like, join the land versus the land becoming, like, blacker, if that makes sense. I don't know what the fuck that means, but... Yeah. Because it is. And... Sorry, no, this is your interview. But like the two other things I had to bring Buried, up, and Buried. this is, hopefully, and the people who move into the city, it, it's almost as if like they're Mormons on like a mission trip. Like it's not like they're not even moving to Cleveland. Like they don't, like, not that you can authentically experience anything necessarily, but it's it it's like there's there's this whole like mythology now with like Cleveland boosters. Like whenever people visit, like me, they 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 go to these shops with all these different Cleveland t-shirts and if you if you find a way to get the land or Cleveland in your in your business's name like immediately like your your stock's gonna go up like there's just this weird like obsession with having Cleveland be relevant but it's also like a weird defense mechanism for people to be like oh yeah like Cleveland is great you know like it's a it's a like a binky or something it's like a weird like uh like, crutch the people rely on when moving into the city because they don't have culture. And when they do experience culture, which is always, at, like, some eight, like fusion restaurant or barrio, it's like, oh, I'm experiencing Mexican culture, but it's being mediated by, like, these VC white guys who, like, put money into the restaurant that's owned by a white guy. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's mediated. Um, that, but that's what they need. They all, you know, unfortunately, and it's not everyone, I I...
2: I hate speaking in such blanket terms because I mean, <laughs> I, I I came up in Heights. I, I definitely live towards the poorer part of the city that bordered East Cleveland, but I you know I got a good education, and I hate to say because it's not all white people. Yeah, which really is really not even a, a thing. White mm-hmm. doesn't exist. It just it's it's a figment. But these these folks. Uh, i think a lot of folks need they need an elvis they can't hear it when when the black folks are saying it. so they need an elvis they need a vanilla ice they need an eminem <laughs> they can't you know when Rocket rockin is not good enough for them they need they need a uh, vanilla ice you know they need
1: they and, need a kevin love like They need a Kevin Love. They need this mediator, as you said, someone to transcribe for them, or or, you know, someone
2: that they can translate. And it's just, it's really something. Like Cleveland is really this tale of two cities type of place. And I'm really wondering when, when are they going to, you know, Cleveland stand up? Well, let's stand up and move past this shit because it's literally been going on for. I mean, like a 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> when, when can we get past it? And I do think that there is something to be said. And I do think that the people who, who weathered the devaluation of Cleveland as a city, they're owed something. You know, there's a lot of people who, who, who kept these houses occupied, businesses afloat when no one cared. Uh, in the 70s when when the the white flight really ramped up. And in the 80s, it was a done deal. 90s as well. I mean, so I'm I'm really wondering at what point are we going to be able to move past all this? I don't know. Maybe it is the gentrification. I mean, it's nice to see people kind of partying a little bit more nowadays. That's cool together. But, I mean, they're really wiping out black Cleveland and they just build up some some airspace design type of spot on west 25th it all looks the same another brewery i guess we need we don't have enough of those
0: yeah
2: and it's like you know can, can can we do something a little bit more natural where people are represented and not just this this gentrified uh reality that we're living but i don't know i, I don't think that's going to change so i think. In 10 years, we'll talk again, and we won't recognize Cleveland whatsoever,
0: I believe. Yeah, because there's no shortage of, like, um, I guess the right word would be, like, potentialities for things to be tapped into that would be natural and organic. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, I don't know what that would look like, but just, I don't know, like, no one... There's a lot of stuff there that, um, like, you don't have to apply like some veneer onto like a, what you're viewing is like a blank canvas. Cause there's like a lot of stuff to work with that you just sort of either paint over or, um, yeah, but, Definitely.
2: well, I mean, again, it's whatever makes the city less violent is great. I love that just, you know, I mean, we get all these little, can we get some, can we get some money for the schools? We're known to take out a syntax to build a fucking stadium. Yeah. Fuck the stadiums. Can we take out a syntax so that these kids can get a decent education? You know? Yeah. Because we, we are dealing with the fact that there are a lot of kids who are indeed uh they're not socialized. They cannot exist in a world that you and me can. I was fortunate. I grew up in a very, very uh, integrated Cleveland Heights in the 80s. So, but I know people who, they went to a school, they've only grown up around, they've only, they only come in contact with black people. And if they talk to a white person, it's usually in some sort of hierarchical form, where it's a policeman or a teacher or whatever. And so they don't even know how, these, these two groups don't even know how to relate to each other. Mm -hmm. on a human on a basic human level so i see that and i i don't know i mean i really wish there was something that i could do or inspire people but i really don't know how to do do that to be honest yeah i am kind of out of touch with cleveland because i haven't lived there i came back in 2008 for like a year and a half
1: yeah but
2: i've always visited and i'm always always uh I'm always connected with Cleveland a lot of times I've even worked with musicians and things and uh, I still got great friends there a lot who are doing incredible stuff too and getting seen and heard and I love that I just I just I just know from the traveling and the places that I've lived if we if we can't if we can't bridge that gap we're never going to be this city that they would want to be never will we get close to being a fifth city again yeah so
0: like you don't hopefully. you don't build a good city cuz of like marketing you build it cuz like people actually want to live there <laughs> and anyways but that we don't have to yeah. keep i think wait do you do you know raw washington
2: yeah that's my dude man
0: yeah that's that's my, a, he's a buddy of mine he's,
2: yeah man he's he's the man uh I actually I, I had a uh well, I still got it small record label we put out a project of his um, like two years ago or so yeah but right yeah rise the man he's one of these guys who really does a lot and uh, you know the action is there he's not just talking he's really doing a lot so it's 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 a it's beautiful to see him doing what he does in Cleveland yeah
0: without a doubt and yeah I this is like a side note too, like he does so much, but then in turn people like expect him to be way more than he is, I think. But y- What? Well, yeah,
2: you know Cleveland unfortunately has a uh, <laughs> Everybody in Cleveland is Christian, and when I say that it's because they're all waiting to be saved. You yeah. know. Uh
1: look,
2: look at this 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 uh this huge uh this huge billboard of of LeBron we had with him looking like Jesus.
1: Yeah. Cleveland
2: Cleveland has a problem with that. They always expect someone to come and save them rather than people saving themselves. So I'm sure, you know, Rod gets into a situation and people probably think he has more power and power than he has. And it's really like he's trying to do his own thing as well, you know? Yeah. And, and it isn't easy. Even if you see a guy getting a grant here and there, you put in a lot of work for that, you know? So it's not like he's he's his reality he's creating it, and I think more people just really have to see that the reality you want you have to work towards it. It's not gonna be easy. It will be tough, but you have to work towards it. You have to do better, and hopefully they get inspired by a fellow like him because like I say yeah he does so much. He's a poet, he's a writer. Morning of Black Stars incredible. He I mean he makes music. He does a lot. Yeah. And, and he also is an inspiration. He's also he really does do activism, not just tweeting, but he actually does some you know, some activist work and I know he was very influential after what happened to Tamir Rice. So
1: yeah.
2: hopefully we get more people stepping up like that and we you know, we really need some guys from down the way too, some hood dudes really to step up. And assume that leadership position, and because a lot of times, you know, these guys they don't they don't care what folks like me or Rob will say. We kind of square to them, you know. Yeah. So sometimes you need to hear it from the from the mouth of the team. Yeah. Um, doing the right thing, because the Lord. That's the thing with the crime in in Cleveland for me. Like it's like okay, I can risk my life, my freedom to do this or I can work and work in some restaurant and, and not even be able to get tips, or I can, you know, wash dishes or whatever in the back. And I think people see that, that there is that limitation. They don't want to go that route. So a lot of folks choose what they think is a quicker route, but often a more costly route. So, I mean, things get better. There's a lot of people and there's always been, you know, an intelligentsia in Cleveland that, that, Really runs the gamut of of age and race. So these people, they're there. They just got to be facilitated and put into the into the right spot. And yeah. often, you know, we, we need people like the City Club to see them and shout them out. You know, uh, uh, Destination Cleveland. I mean, to me, they're, they're to me they're suck you by, you know, on the city, just because you made this little script font of Cleveland. That doesn't do anything for anything. It's it's all smoke and mirrors what they're doing and really not really for me improving on the city. And that's what I wanna see.
0: Yeah. I wanna
2: see the city improve. And not just a few people who used to live in Seven Hills or something and decided to come to Cleveland. Like Yeah. You know
0: my thoughts at least. For sure. That's great. Then I got I got two more questions and then I- I'll, is that cool?
2: Yeah, it's cool. I'm not in a rush, brother. Take your time.
0: Cool. Oh, wait. One side note, though. So you don't like, you don't have to say a lot about this, but I. you don't like Ajax? You're not a big sports guy? You're not?
2: I don't really care about sports.
0: All right, all
2: I right. Grew, I grew up in Cleveland. Cleveland teams would make you say fuck sports, you know what I mean? Yeah, I got so, you.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> Ajax, I know a little bit about them, though. The reason I know a bit about them is the neighborhood I live in. There's a there's a bar there where all the people from out of town will come and come watch the Ajax and they act like assholes and then they leave. Yeah. So yeah, like that. I at least know when they play. I
0: can tell you that. Got gotcha. you. <laughs> so do you think that? Do you think that? Um, so part of the reason that I I kind of starting this project with some of my buddies is uh there seems to be a very other than like a couple writers who hold like power accountable especially like in in politics, not as much for like just general cult culture stuff or there isn't a huge like critical scene here um and I was wondering if um being away from Cleveland makes it easier to kind of like make sense of it and maybe critique it. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase that, but
2: that's
0: a good question. I think, whew, that's a good question. Cause when you're here, you're like in the, you're like in the water, right? And it's hard to zoom out. Just, here. Water. Yeah. It's hard to zoom out here. Yeah. Is everyone's like doing their thing, but I was
2: just—that's the number one problem, honestly, in Cleveland. That people don't have any frame of reference. I remember coming back there. This had to be two thousand twelve or so, and they would—they were, were starting to make these bike lanes,
0: right? Yeah.
2: So they make the bike lanes, and then the way they drew them out, you have the sidewalk. Then next to the sidewalk was like this painted area that you weren't supposed to bike. Then you had the bike lane itself which was right next to the car lane. And I'm like, "Who the fuck? Did this? this is inane. You would have the you have the separating part between the car and the bike lane. I, I, not to, when I was back last time, I said Cleveland needs a new slogan. Like, Cleveland, we're trying. That's, <laughs> I think, should be the new fucking slogan. <laughs> <laughs> they always try. And they never, and the thing is, like, I don't know if people are too arrogant or if they don't have the resources or the connections. I mean, all they had to do was take a trip to Amsterdam, they could have hollered at me. I just showed them around like this is how you do it. This is how you're supposed to do it. I know people they could have talked to. But these folks who are in power, they're in power and they act as if they're more intelligent than everybody. Cleveland does the dumbest shit ever. It, it, in my opinion, it is the worst uh, planned city in America, possibly the world. What the fuck is Burke Lake Front Airport doing there? <laughs> <laughs> That should be prime real estate. Why the fuck is I-90 cutting through this prime real estate? We should have green space and parks and we should be able to enjoy our our shoreline. We can't. Because we have these fools, <laughs> whatever they are, who keep and, and we're very corrupt as well. That doesn't, that doesn't help. So for me, yeah, Cleveland, we're trying. People need to travel more. People need to go and get a new pair of goggles so that they can they can look at what's going on in the city with an outsider's perspective. Because, I, I mean, I bring a lot of people to Cleveland, straight up. I'm I, And, I, I mean, I might be in the running for having brought the most people to Cleveland from out the country. Always dating some chick and I'll bring her over. And they all say the same shit. They're like, this could really be a very nice spot. That's what they said. Could be. No one said, they like it, but it's not like they're like, oh yeah, I want to move here. Yeah. Whoever is in charge in Cleveland is doing the city a disservice by being so provincial.
0: Provincial. They
2: they need to step out of Cleveland. Go to
1: Pittsburgh.
0: What up? What up? You went out for a second back. Could you say could you start again from go to Pittsburgh?
2: Oh yeah, I said go to go to Pittsburgh. Go to Detroit. Go to London. Go to these cities that are I mean, I hate the magazine, but check out Monaco and see what are the top twenty five most livable cities. Go to those motherfuckers. See what they're doing. Take notes try to implement this in Cleveland. And the nice thing with Cleveland is we have a lot of room and shit, they're tearing down things left and right. You can definitely go to Columbus, see what they're doing in Columbus. And I I don't agree with everything that they're doing in Columbus, but at least they're trying to future-proof the city. Cleveland, I I don't see any future-proofing whatsoever. Let's start looking towards solar energy. Let's start figuring out how to provide everybody clean, fresh water. And this is probably more an American issue, but they're not doing it. And the powers that be are consistently let down the people of Cleveland by by not having this this open kin, by not being able to think outside of Cleveland parameters. And it really does it does a lot of uh, it does a lot of dirt. To the city now I know when I move back I'm a critical guy no lie I'm critical I am even critical of myself but Same. I mean I had things to say about Cleveland but no one in Cleveland wanted to hear are oh, you being negative and like okay so if we can't discuss this shit how is it ever gonna get better people don't want to hear what's wrong yeah they want they want to feel that they live in one of the world's best places well guess what you fucking don't I'm sorry I love Cleveland to death. It's not one of the best cities in the world. I'm sorry, man. Like it's a great place. But in order for us to be on that level, you have to be realistic and you have to study who is doing it better. And I think, honestly, I'm not gonna lie, two hours away, Pittsburgh is doing far better. Pittsburgh has way fewer gentrified areas and the gentrification that's happening is happening a little bit more naturally they don't have as many fast food restaurants they don't have as many chain restaurants I mean we love the, we got one guy that one dude owns all the West 25th and it looks like it
0: you yeah know, it so, really does yeah you know
2: my mother had a vegan bakery over there on West 25th you know that would have been great for that neighborhood, but no, there, there's no rent control. They want—I think there's like some gross Mexican restaurant there, gentrified Mexican joint right there now. Ohio City Burrito. And I mean, come on! For, for, of all the people moving in Ohio City, I mean, I think that a vegan bakery would have been something that you would have wanted to keep there. Yeah,
1: I—I I don't. <laughs> They definitely need an outsider's
2: perspective, but then are they going to listen? I don't know, man. Like I said, it's a bunch of provincialites running the, the, uh, the city, and they need to get out. They can come visit me in Amsterdam. I'll show them, I'll show them around, give them some ideas, because they do, they do need a frame of reference,
0: in next, my opinion. Next time I'm in Europe, I'm going to hit you up. <laughs>
2: hit me up. Hit me up. I... I, I uh, I know Amsterdam shit better than Dutch people. They won't want they don't want to get at to me, but I do. I know it pretty well. And uh I travel, I get around. I'm a good traveller, man. People like me, I'm in Brussels now. I find a place I like, I go back a few times, I tip well. I'm not so fucking loud li- I'm loud,
0: but I'm not loud in public like that. Yeah. I like already. I like yeah. Berlin a lot from my travels. What'd you say? I like Berlin a lot from my own travels. Um,
2: Berlin's the business, brother.
0: I love that city. It's like city. my favorite city. And I like London a lot. I like some neighborhoods. That I studied abroad there at King's. Um, and I mean, I love London. But just from like my two weeks in Berlin, it's like, holy Berlin,
2: fuck. great. And uh, that's actually probably, other than Amsterdam, I live there. But that's probably my favorite European city. And I, I agree with you. I was, I was scared it was going to be a little too techno. I'm not a techno guy. Yeah. But it isn't. And it's just open, and uh, you can do what you want. The bars don't shut. They shut when they want to shut. Yeah. They to do every night. People, and, and what I like in Berlin, people are quite intelligent. You get to some really good conversations in Berlin, you know? Definitely. The, the winter sucks. It's kind of like our winter, but... You're from Cleveland you can deal with that. But yeah, but Berlin is a wonderful, wonderful city. That's a great pick, brother.
0: Indeed. Yeah. All right, so I just want to wrap things up here now. So if you could speak to like Well I guess there's like so what else what are you trying to accomplish with Chad in Amsterdam and where do you see you see yourself with like your art form like going forward or I don't know if that's the best way to ask it, but just bring it back good. to that to end the uh, to end the interview.
2: That is a good question. What am I trying to accomplish? I, I would say primarily I realize that I'm a pretty fortunate guy who did something that most people don't do. I left my country for a while now. Uh, and I think in this in this day and age of dissolving borders... They're not gone, and I and I don't think that they'll ever be gone. But I do think that the international citizen is, is more a, a more possibility for people in today's world, and not just necessarily because you're an immigrant who came to do low skill work. It's it's really becoming way more possible for people with with high skill or low skill to leave their country and go somewhere else. So. I realize I'm one of the first people kind of doing this. So I, I wanted to, I, I kind of want to show what that is like as a, uh, what it's like to be a person who wh- you're not where you're from. You, you, you're, you're amidst another
1: group of people who yeah, at the end of the day, people just, you know, food, clothes,
2: food, clothing, shelter, love type of thing. But we are different. And I guess, I guess I wanted to just, I don't know, maybe just, maybe it's its more about me as a person, but also, it's also about, you know, the person as, how can I say this? It's about the person within the environment. It's, uh... I don't feel like I'm explaining this properly. Hold on one second. Uh, I I would say that I'm trying to... Well, for one, I'd like to show people that it's possible to do. And mm-hmm. you should travel. I yeah. think that's that's the most important thing, firstly. Uh, secondly, I, I am trying to, to show folks that there are a lot of issues... In the world and a lot of what you may see happening in Cleveland is also happening here as well albeit whenever you're dealing with Europe there's always less violence America is intrinsically violent at its core I don't know why we love guns and violent stuff and just to show you things are different but you can't exist other spots, you you can make it elsewhere. You can be part of something that you're not part of. Yeah, uh, because I mean the way the way I see it now, I'm not gonna. I don't want to say I'm a global citizen. I'm not. I'm just the guy who lives in Amsterdam.
0: And uh, if I may, I, real quick, you're kind uh, of. It's kind of demonstrating that. The global citizen doesn't have to be like a multi-millionaire finance person. No, like it's- no, yeah,
2: that, that is. I, I want to show you that you know, just you know, us of the Hoi Polloi, we can do this too. You you have to have some skill, something that something that would set you apart from others. But it, it's very possible to do. And I, I think as well as we embark upon this this multicultural reality, I think a city like Amsterdam is a good a good city to to show this and, and what what the world could be you know because it is a very diverse city i must say i wouldn't say that everyone is dealing with each other there's always going to be some degree of uh a self-imposed segregation i believe but uh you, you know it, it's it's quite a diverse place there's there's 180 different nationalities you know so you also see that keeping Cleveland in mind there's always going to be problems there's you know it doesn't matter what the makeup of your city is there's always going to be these sort of issues and us in this newly emerging multicultural society there's a way we have to go about things and there's things that you as the citizen has have to do. And then there's also things that the uh, the country itself should provide. And I think in my story, there's things that I should do that I haven't done. I'm not perfect. I think that there are things that the Dutch government should do that they don't do. They're not perfect either. So this isn't some perfect unison. It's not a perfect, happy story. But it's just to show that it, it, it can happen. You can... You you don't have to be stuck in Cleveland for your entire life, you know. Which you know for sure. Mm -hmm. You went, studied elsewhere. It's. I I see this as being like maybe, maybe, maybe possibly. It's just a commentary on what hundred years from now will be so commonplace that people would be like, "Oh, this was maybe one of the first guys to talk about it." Yeah. In such a. You know. I want to entertain people, of course. I want to make people laugh and think. I don't want to bore you, and I don't want to be too preachy. That's kind of what I try to keep in in mind when writing this, and that's kind of what I'm going for. I'm, I'm hoping I can inspire some people to step outside of their boundaries, outside of their safety zone, because that's the key to all of this. You're not going to be in your sphere of influence at all times. Yeah, and what happens when you're not? And I—that's—that's that's what my comic is about. Because I'm completely not in my sphere. I like—that's the old drag, Dungeons and Dragons term, sphere of influence. I always like that. Yeah. So, i i, I just, uh, yeah. What? Where do I go from there? And I don't even know if there is a place where I would feel completely at home I didn't feel completely at home in Cleveland I did not feel completely at home at DC I like them all. and even in Amsterdam I don't so it's also just a you know kind of commentary it makes me realize who I am as a person as well and hopefully that can uh I can inspire some people uh, elsewhere to do the same you know for sure got it well I
0: feel
2: there was a second
0: part of that question that I didn't answer. No, that was it. Those those were the two things. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty nice way to cap it off. Just, um, just uh, you can do it. You know, like there there are a lot of great lines. Yeah, this went really well. Like I think we touched on like the two main things. I like just your life, the work, and the uh, Cleveland and Amsterdam. Yeah. So thanks for taking the time, Chad. Um, Man, thank you, Billy.
2: That's what's up.
0: Yeah. I, um, Stay in touch. Uh, Stay in touch.
2: I will. Actually I'll be I'll be home uh I guess mid November around Thanksgiving. I'll be doing the uh Genghis Khan this year. hmm And uh also luckily i I uh I gotta I gotta write this script, but I should be working with Gary Dum, who was one of uh Harvey cars collaborators as well. Oh shit! Yeah. So, for, so for me, that's like a huge fucking deal, you know. And uh, and I, I met Helm and Laura Dumb, and they just they're just wonderful people. And I'm always even though I'm always looking for Cleveland artists as well, just because I'm over here in uh, Amsterdam doesn't mean you can't work with me. I really I provide really good scripts and storyboards and photos, so you know, and and I like. Sometimes I mean I, I'm sure the Dutch artists probably don't like me saying this, but I I kind of like giving people from Cleveland a little bit of job, you know, a bit a bit of a job let's put some money in their pocket. They need it more.
0: Yeah. So hey, me, you, and Raw will get we'll hang out. Let's do that. Yeah, that's
2: my like I said that's that's my homie. I, I, when I was just there, we were hanging out. That's really one of my favorite people over there in Cleveland. I think he feels the same way. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's hang out and you know? we'll
0: all hang. Yeah. And last, last question, in the comics, is that a is that a J or is that a hand rolled cigarette?
2: Oh, right here?
0: No, right in, in the, the comics. Ju-
2: oh, in the comic. Oh, it's definitely a joint. A joint? <laughs> yeah, it's a joint. I, I uh this is something I gotta touch on too because when I moved there I didn't smoke uh you know, they smoke spliffs, right? So they put they, they, they put tobacco in with the with the weed. Yeah. I did not like that shit when I first moved in, man. I mean, this is bullshit. You're adulterating the flavor of the marijuana. And uh, That's what I
0: liked in college, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? After a while, it's a funny thing. When you live somewhere, eventually you do it. So now when I smoke, I put a little bit of tobacco in with it. It mixes well, makes it burn well. But I've been trying to stop smoking. It's a tough one. I'm not really a drug guy. I just, the drinking and the, uh Drinking and smoking is my thing. I don't like all those other crazy fucking drugs anymore. But uh smoking's tough, man. It's real it just mellows you out. It's, it's a nice, nice high, I must say. Yeah. But yeah, always a spliff with me. Fuck a hand roll. And I ain't from Berlin rolling those fucking cigarettes.
0: That's
2: that's how you know people from Berlin. They hand roll cigarettes
0: all the time, man. They so fucking cheap over there. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah that's a lot of europe but uh definitely yeah. berlin though you're right but uh yeah man we'll smoke a spliff in november <laughs> i'm with it i'm with bro
2: all right well uh i'll talk to you when i'm in november and whatnot maybe we can get up I, like i said i have all these incredible hip-hop interviews maybe there's something that can be done with that or something
0: oh that you haven't done anything with
2: yeah, man, I got, like, honestly, like, almost 100 different interviews with every motherfucker who ever rapped in Cleveland.
1: Really?
0: Not
2: everybody. Not Bone. Not Bone. But, you know, oh, here's one funny thing I'll tell you real quick.
0: Before we we can do, like, a series, though. Like, every, like, month, like, publish. I don't know. Like, that could be...
2: Because there's, there's a lot of them, and there's some really interesting people. Uh, one thing about Cleveland is that's good for people to know, I think... The most known people. Cleveland,
0: Wait up! I'm. I'm. You went out. One second. Uh huh. Okay, I'm good.
2: Okay, in in Cleveland, when you're over here, a lot of times people will, you know, oh, Cleveland. Who's from Cleveland? Like, like in that first comic, Bone. People always fucking know Bone.
0: Damn. A few of the new
2: kids might know Kid Cuddy. LeBron James, of course, but he's not even with us anymore, and he's technically not Cleveland. Mm. But uh, Bone, man, it is—I I really made some good old boys really mad over there because they're like, ah, you know, what do they think about Cleveland? I'm like, they don't know shit about Cleveland. They know Bone. Ah, they shouldn't be representing us. Well, they are. Bone is <laughs> Bone are they are the the Cleveland uh, diplomats. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, Everybody knows Bone and loves
0: him. Yeah, you can't really choose who your diplomats are. So, but
2: you really can't, you yeah. know. So, and I mean, it me. Everybody know Cleveland because of me because I keep that shit, keep saying it all the fucking time and whatnot. We used to throw a party over here called another bullshit night in Cleveland. In, in, from,
0: in, Amst- in, Amst- Cleveland. in Amsterdam or Cleveland?
2: In, in Amsterdam, the party was called another bullshit night from Cleveland. Okay, and. Uh, It was. They were great parties while it lasted, about four years. They were really fun. People didn't understand it, but that's. I didn't even make the name up. My Finnish homie made it up, but I thought it was great. So we we ran with it. Yeah. And we just threw some very weird parties, and it was it was great. Yeah. It was really.
0: All right, I gotta run, Chad. But we'll we'll definitely stay in touch, man. Thanks so much. This was really great. This is really great. Yeah. Uh, Take it easy, Chad. Beyeşim.